Open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. You've heard that a lot here lately. And we've been going through our series, Is There Not a Cause? And today we're going to continue on in the story of David, where we will pick up in verse 30. And we have seen a lot. We've seen facing the giants of 2024. Uh, don't don't annihilate your anointing. I mean, we we've went through so much looking at the life of David, uh, but this morning I've entitled the message "Lions and Giants and Bears." Oh my! <laughs> Lions and Giants and Bears. Oh my! Now, if that sounds a little bit familiar to you, it's probably because you heard something to the effect of lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! From Wizard of Oz. Now, I looked up Wizard of Oz on Google this week, and I didn't know this. Did you know that Wizard of Oz was, was released in 1939? 85, 85, 85 years ago. I did not know that. Um, but today, today, we will see the method that has always worked to defeat giants in our lives. Let me ask you a quick question before we read the Scriptures. How many of you have either faced a giant or are facing a giant today? Yeah, all over. I'm preaching to about five of y'all. Good. The rest, you may be dismissed. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm teasing. Y'all know me. I like to cut up a little bit. I'm sure all of us are facing some kind of giant today. And if you are, this message is applicable to you. You say, well, preacher, I'm not facing a giant today. Well, one day you might, and then this message will be applicable to you. I got a lot of, I got a lot of help from the Lord this week as God was giving me uh, this message. I stuck my head underneath the fountain spout of, of glory, and God just kept sending it to me, so I'm going to send it to you. Do you have your place there in 1 Samuel chapter 17? If you do, I'd ask that if you're able to stand, you don't have to, but if you're able to stand to reverence God's holy, inerrant, infallible word with me, let's read the word of God together this morning. David just got through asking a question, is there not a cause? In verse 30, the Bible says, And, then, uh, and he turned from him toward another, and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, And slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, 
The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. By way of introduction, what I want to do is give you the context. So we want to start at verse 30 and we'll get to the method of killing the giant. There's a method to kill the giant in your life. Did you know that? It's a Bible method. It's a prescription from the Word of God on how to defeat the giant in your life. If you're having problems this morning with a giant in your life, the Bible has the answers. And so we're going to examine that method, but before we do, we must look at the Scripture in its entirety. Look with me, if you will, starting at verse 30. At verse 30. And he turned from, uh, from him toward another, and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. Right here, right here, David has been talking to Eliab. Eliab was the oldest son of Jesse. David is the youngest son of Jesse. And the baby brother has now confronted the oldest brother. And he asked, them, he asked him a question. Is there not a cause? Why are you standing here in armor, staring at this Philistine, staring at this giant, but you won't fight him? What's going on? And, and, and remember, Eliab got mad at David. I believe that Eliab was intimidated by David. And so... When David confronted Eliab, Eliab, uh, whenever he got confronted, Eliab did not change. He was confronted with the truth, but he didn't change. Instead, Eliab doubled down. And Eliab, right here, he proved that David wasn't full of pride and naughtiness. Remember last week where where Eliab falsely accused David? Eliab says to David, I know thine heart, for it's full of pride and naughtiness. And, and, and we see here, it's actually Eliab that's full of pride and naughtiness. Look at verse number 31 with me. See, in verse 30, we saw where the rumors began. But in verse 31, the rumors spread. Uh, the rumors spread. In verse 31, and, and when the words were heard which David spoke, they rehearsed them before Saul. See, there's that rumor mill going. Can I tell you this morning that talking behind somebody's back is called backbiting. And that is a sin that causes one of the biggest casualties in a church. It causes uh, tremendous amounts of damage. Now, if you are wise, the rumor mill will end when it hits your ears. For you'll give it no platform. You'll let it die right there. Look at verse number 32. The, uh, verse number 32, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. So right now, David is being confronted by Saul. Remember at this point in time, Saul had already went to minister, or David went to minister to Saul with the ministry of music. And Saul says, You're alright. Even though I wasn't picked for king and you were, you're Okay. Matter of fact, I'm going to train you up. I'm going to mentor you. And so, in, in a sense, in a sense, Saul was like David's master. Saul was like his mentor. So, Eliab gets mad because nobody can do nothing with David. David won't listen to nobody, so he's going to go higher up. He's like, I, I want to speak to the manager. We'll get the manager involved, see if I can get some, something to happen. 
And so now, here, here Saul is, and there's a, there's a conversation going between uh, Saul and David. And we see here that David is worried. Who's he worried about? David's not worried about himself. In verse, in verse 32, he says, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Uh, right now, David is worried because he went up in the midst of the army and he challenged the army and says, Why are you all standing around? And they all got mad at David for challenging them. They got mad at David for telling them the truth. And now here David is and, and he's pretty much just a little ruddy boy and he's scared to death. And he's saying, Saul, I really hope I didn't discourage them. He actually said, let no man's heart fail because of him. He said, preacher, why are you making this a big deal? Because in Deuteronomy chapter 20, it says this, starting in verse 1. It says, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Verse 2, And it shall be when ye are come nigh unto battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people. That's probably why we. Get, that's probably where we get our chaplain this seat from. Our chaplains from. That's probably why the preachers will come in before our boys go off to war. But then in verse three it says this in Deuteronomy chapter twenty, and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Watch it now. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not. And do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. So here David is, and David, I'm sure, knows the Scriptures. And he knows that there is oftentimes a preacher or a priest that will go out to men of war and they'll try to encourage them and try to give them uh, some, some uh, wisdom and try to, try to get them hyped up to battle. And so instead of doing that, David feels like he has discouraged them. You know what that lets me know about David? David, in fact, did not have a heart full of pride and naughtiness. He sincerely cared about others. Even though he was right and he stood on truth and he stood on principle, there was a balance. He had love and compassion for his brethren. Look with me, if you will, in verse 33. In verse 33 it says, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. In verse 33, we see how Saul tried to disqualify David when he says, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight. Uh, He says, For thou art but a youth. And so Saul is telling David here, he says, David, you don't have enough experience to go against this giant. You're, You're young. You're not strong enough. You don't have enough talent. You're not as good as the soldiers in the army. And then he says, it talks about the Philistine. He says, and he, this Philistine, is a man of war uh, from his youth. Uh, see, David just wanted to go to battle. But the giant wanted war. Y'all do understand that there's a difference? I mean, in the war between the states, we won a lot of battles, but we lost the war. Uh, there's a lot of battles throughout history where, where America may have won or, or, or the Confederate States may have won and, and there, are, there are different armies that have won different battles but they may have lost the war. See, David here, he's ready to fight this, this giant. But he's thinking, I, I, I'm just going to go after this giant and it's going to be done. And Saul, the wiser man, says, yeah, nobody wins in a fight. 
You're going to have to kill him. You can't just beat him up. I mean, you're going to have to take him out. This giant is nine foot nine. And we've already seen the description of how large he is. And, and Saul is trying to disqualify David. Look with me in verse number 34. In verse number 34. In verse number 34, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant keep his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. Now David gives us something that he has never given us before. His resume. He's never shown his resume. As a matter of fact, I got to thinking about it. If he had shown his resume up front, I don't believe that the prophet Samuel would have went to Saul. I think he would have went straight to David. David, you a little bitty fella and you have took out a lion and a bear? Yeah, we, we need you. So far, David has not shown his resume. Why? David's humble. David doesn't need to flaunt in his glory. David doesn't make it about himself. This little bitty ruddy shepherd boy is now showing his resume and he's saying, he's telling Saul, Saul, I've got something that they call battle scars. Let me, let me, let me roll up my sleeves and show them to you. This is where I got a hold of that bear and this is where I got a hold of that lion. And they thought that they were going to take me out, but I rose up against them. And I'm going to tell you right now, if God can do it for me then, He can do it for me now. Saul, you tell me that there's a giant that's raised up in my life and everybody's scared of him. But I'm here to tell you that there was a time where a beast rose up against me and, uh, and it come up against a flock that I was shepherding and I went after it and I said, bless God, you're not going to take it out. And then the lion come back for me and there I was. I said, let's go, fella. God, I know you've done it once. I can take out that lion again. And then a bear come along the scenes and he took out the bear as well. What you trying to say, preacher? I'm saying up to this point, we didn't know David's resume. But some of you have a resume this morning. Some of you, if you spiritually speaking, were to roll up your spiritual sleeves, there would be some scars that remain from yesteryear. There would be some past experiences where you have done battle with the devil. There's going to be some times where you can talk about where you thought that there's no way you can get out. All the odds and the chips are stacked against you. Satan is laughing in your face. And all you could do was lift up your holy hands and bow your, bow your head and hit your knees in submission to a thrice holy God. Where you said, God, I can't, but God, you can. And God, I know that if you can do it for me then, you can do it for me today. We have battle scars this morning. And those battle scars are not there to pull us down, but to lift us up and to remind us that God can do it again. Here David is, he's telling Saul, God can do it again. Look at verse 35. i got to move quickly. Verse 35 it says, And I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. First, the enemy came for the lamb. Then it returned for David. About every time I've been in a fight, a real fight, I wasn't defending me, I was defending somebody else. David here was defending somebody else. He had the heart of a shepherd. He had the heart of a pastor. He had the heart of a leader. He had a heart of a servant. But I want you to notice it says, David, David rescued the lamb. He says, I went after him. 
whenever, whenever the lion stepped on the scene, whenever the, the bear was on the scene, David didn't run. The Bible says in verse 35, I went after him. He was not scared of going toe-to-toe with the enemy. Why? Because he knew that God can. He says, and I smote him, and he delivered him out of his mouth. Then he says, and when he arose against me, that enemy didn't stop. That enemy was defeated once in battle, but that enemy wants war. And because the enemy wanted war, David realized that it would take more than just hitting him one good time to fight against this lion and this bear. Let me tell you today, some of you have been in battle after battle after battle. And you've come to an altar of prayer somewhere, whether it be right here or in your home or in a car, wherever you might be. And you've given it to the Lord and you've laid it down at the feet of Jesus. But the devil keeps bringing it back up. And he keeps throwing it back at you. Why? Because he is the enemy. And he wants war, baby. He's not going to let you off easy. He knows that his ultimate destination is the lake of fire. And he's trying to take everybody he can with him. And he knows that some of you are blood-bought and you're sealed unto the day of redemption. And he knows that you're heaven-bound with the hammer down. There's nothing he can do about it, but he wants to make your life as miserable as he can. The enemy wants war. He doesn't just want to battle you this morning. I want to show you what he did here. Watch your text in verse 35. This, this is whenever David realizes this ain't a battle. This is war. He had to do something. He had to go extra this time. He didn't just smite him. He says right here, he says, I caught him by his beard. You know what that lets me know? That David gripped his enemy and he dug his heels in. I mean, they call it the Tar Heel State for a reason. When the war between the states came, them North Carolina boys, they, they had heels of tar. That's what the Union Army said. Well, they came at them as hard as they could and they just dug their heels in. Uh, here, David, he, he grabs with one hand, he caught him by the beard, he grabs his enemy by the beard, and he digs his heels in. And let me tell you something, if you grab anybody by the beard, that means you've got to be looking them right in the eyeballs. He's saying, I ain't scared of you. I done whooped you once, I'm going to do it again. I mean, he had some tenacity about him. Let me tell you, if you're going to be a Christian and in this thing for any length of time at all, you better have something down inside of you that says, bless God, come hell or high water, the God of heaven is with me. I don't care what the enemy has to say about me. I'm a child of the one true king. And hey, Christ Jesus overcome the world. And I live in Christ Jesus. So I don't have to overcome nothing because Jesus already overcame the world. I'm more than conquerors in Christ that loves me. There ought to be something inside of you that says that when the enemy comes knocking at your door. When you've had enough you need to stand your ground. You need to grab him by the beard. You need to look him in his eyeballs. And right there he stood his ground. So he says I caught him by his beard. So he took one hand and caught him. Then the Bible says in verse 35 and smote him with the other hand. That looks like this. I mean giving it all he got. I mean, hey, the first time when he smote him, that, that means it ain't just a little strike. I mean, he reared back and haymakered him as hard as he could. Now he's got him and he's letting him go. He's giving it all he's got, buddy. I mean, he's out there screaming and, and hollering and fighting like he's fighting yellow jackets just everywhere. 
He's given it all he has because he knows the enemy will not give up. This means war. So here he is now. He has both hands involved in the fight. Pay attention. I'm foreshadowing to my points. He has both hands involved in his fight here. And now he's using both hands. But watch it now. He grabbed him by his beard. He smote him. But the Bible doesn't stop there. In verse 35 it says, And he slew him. He slew him. Took his head off. David knew that this enemy is out to devour him. And David knew that he had to finish the job. If not, that bear or that lion would have rose up again. And if he just let him go, the enemy would just come back to fight him again another day. Listen, this time he went to a place where he'd never gone before with this enemy. He fought in a way like he's never fought before against this enemy. He slew him. He took his head off. How do you kill a snake? You don't chop it by its tail. You take its head off. David took out the enemy once and for all. That is what repentance looks like. Repentance looks like this. And please understand my heart when I say this. When it comes to prayer, to me, it doesn't matter the length or the duration of the prayer. I've heard some people, I mean, they can preach in King James. I mean, it's anointed. It's good. And they can, uh, and they can pray in King James. And it's, and it's for 10, 15 minutes and it's good. But sometimes, help me Lord, has a little bit more power behind it if it comes from the heart. Right. Are you with me? So with that being said, and with that in mind, you can win your battle when you hit your knees in prayer. But sometimes, it's going to take a 15 minute altar call for somebody to get it all out. Sometimes, it's just going to have to get ugly. I mean, he grabbed him by his beard. He's got, he's got the fur in his hand. And then he's, he's giving him a bloody nose. But he breaks out that sword. You know, I wonder how nasty that would have been. If you want a breakthrough in your life, you got to get nasty. Lord, this is how nasty I am. Bible says that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we confess it and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've got to confess it. And, and if that battle, that giant is not your sin and it's a, it's a circumstance or an obstacle, tell the Lord all about it. Give it to Him. Get nasty with it. That's what it looks like in repentance. Look at verse 36. Verse 36. I'm about to tie it into our points. Verse 36. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. He's going to use the same method. Seeing he had to fight the armies of the living God. So what I'm seeing is David is going to take out this giant the same way he took out the lion and the bear. You know what that lets me know? David's methods didn't change. He didn't get a new cart. He didn't change his Bible. He didn't go contemporary. He didn't drop his standards what he saw his daddy, his father Jesse do, and how his father fought the battles of yesteryear, he picked up that same mantle and said, if it worked for Jesse, it'll work for me. And he went back on them days of old where they used to have old time prayer meeting, old time cottage prayer meeting, old time of shouting, and said, that's how it worked for me then. I'm not going to change. If I were to try to tweak it in just a little bit, I might not defeat this giant 
The only way I'm going to defeat this giant is with the exact same method of the past. It cannot change. Look at verse number 37. And I'll get to my points. It's about to get good, y'all. David said, moreover, the Lord delivered me out of the out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will, do, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. Watch this. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. See, David here in verse 37 had predetermined that what he would do to defeat this giant would be the same method that's always worked. Why would he want to change if it's always worked? And I want to say this morning, it's about time we get back to the way that it's always worked here in America. We keep doing things, in the, and I know politician, y'all know that, but we keep doing things in the name of, of progress, and we keep doing things in the, in the name of unity. I'm going to tell you what that is. That's pushing the new world order. I'm going to tell you what that is. That's the spirit of Antichrist. You ain't got to believe me. Just believe your Bible because that's what it talks about. The Bible talks about that. And it's high time that we don't care who we offend. Hey, if it's always worked, I mean, why can we not bring prayer back in our schools? We're so scared to offend somebody, but we can put a cotton-picking litter box in there, and then just fine for the little kitty cats and the furries. But and, and I just watched a commercial the other day, and it seemed so nice at first. It said, "Stop Jewish hate, black hate, Asian hate, Muslim hate," and I'm for I'm for that. I'm for that. I'm for that. But where was stop Christian hate? Where was, and let's just go ahead and say, where was stop white hate? Where was that at? Where was that at? It's time that America gets back to what always worked. Amen. Amen. Mark Robinson can take some notes. He can preach that at his next rally. Amen. <laughs> Listen to me. Let me get back to my message. We walk around defeated today. I said we, not you. I said we. We walk around defeated today because, listen, we have forgotten how to fight our giants. We forgot. I forgot. You forgot. I forgot until this week until God showed me. We have forgotten how to fight our giants. So let me show you three ways to fight your giants today. Three ways. Now to do that, we must examine the lion and the bear if we must fight the giant. Look at verse 36 and hang out right there for a minute. Look at verse 36. They slew both the lion and the bear. And then he says, I'm going to do the same thing to that Philistine. Look at what the bear represents. Look at what the bear represents. The bear represents the overwhelming number of your enemies. The enemies that outnumber you. You say, you got Bible for that? Of course I do. In the book of Daniel... In the book of Daniel, it talks about a lion with the wings of eagles. And, it, and that lion there represents the Babylonian Empire. Then it talks about a bear that's raised up by itself on one side. That bear represents the Medo-Persian Empire. And the Persians are known for having being more numerous and more powerful. Daniel chapter 7 verse 5 says, And behold another beast, a second like to a bear. And it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said thus to it, Arise, watch it, devour much flesh. 
That bear represents everybody that's against you. And they're out to get you. And they're, they're out. They're out to take you down. Let's look at what the lion represents. We have the bear. Let's look at the lion. The lion represents the devil. Satan, Slewfoot, Lucifer, synonymous, same person. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary or your enemy, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is out to get you, and you know that. So you have those that outnumber you, those that mock God, those that tell you you can't be nothing because of your past. Then you have the devil that's constantly trying to weigh you down. So we've looked at the bear and we looked at the lion. What does the giant represent in our lives? The giant represents whatever it is that's holding you back from victory today. Whatever it is that you know that, man, I wish I could just get there. I wish I could just get past it. That is that barrier between you and where you want to be. That is your giant. You, you're, you want to overcome your anxiety, your depression, your fear. You want to overcome the grief of the past. You want to overcome the, the, the weight and the worry and the discouragement in your mind. You want to overcome your finances. I'm not saying we're going to get rich quick. But you want to overcome the oppression. This is how you do it. That giant represents that. So this is, this is what I looked up. This is so great. Remember, if we're going to defeat a giant... We have to attack that giant the same way that we would attack a bear and a lion. This is so good. I love this. So I, I went and I looked up how do you scare away a bear and how do you scare away a lion. And this is so good. Y'all hang on. How to scare away a bear is what they said. This is so good. To scare away a bear, you have to make loud noises. You've got to yell. It says you need to bang pots, pans, drums. No, I didn't say that. Using an air horn. Now, now I know you think I'm being funny, but when I went to the Crown College's graduation, they had air horns at Temple Baptist Church, and the late Dr. Clarence Sexton was looking out there like, what's that? But then it also says this. Not only do you have to be loud and make a bunch of noise, it says you have to make yourself look as big as possible by waving your hands. It's about to get good now. Hey, bears also hate the smell of strong cleaning products. And the best cleaning product I know is the blood of Jesus that washes away all sin. But then I looked up, how do you scare a lion? And this is how you scare a lion. Although you're going to want to lay down and hit the fetal position and say, Oh Lord, help me now. Help me Jesus. They actually said to stand up. Raise your arms above your head and most importantly, shout your head off. If you have something in your hand, throw it at the line. Hey, listen, even if the line charges you, do not run. Hold your ground. Mm. So-called experts here. To handle your giant, you must do the exact same thing as you would a lion and a bear. So these are the methods that's always worked. To handle your giant and your bear, you must stand your ground. You must raise your hands and you must shout your head off. Let me show you number one. 
Long introduction, short message. Number one, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Look at verse 35 for a second. He says, and I went after him. I went after him. You must stand your ground. The ground that I know to stand on is the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the same time, the ground I know to stand on is this right here. Now, I ain't going to do it like my preacher once done it. He laid the Bible down, took his, took his feet off, and put, or took his shoes off. Take your feet off. My goodness. Y'all are about to sit. I ain't going to do it, though. He took his shoes off, and then he put his feet on the Bible and said, I'm standing on holy ground, and I'm cringing on the inside. I'm like, I don't know if that's good, Pastor. <laughs> I got his point, though. I never forgot his point. What I mean by that, it looks like this. This week, this week, like, like two days ago, it was on a Thursday night. I'm not going to say where I was at because it's going to go on the radio. But I was in a place where there was an instructor and about 12 students. And the question got brought up at this place is how would you deal with an individual? Now bear with me here. I know we've got a mixed audience. How would you deal with an individual that said that they was a male? Or, or no, they said they was a female, but they're a male. How, how would you deal with them? Would you go get a male or a female? I just sat back and listened at first, but then I got really upset. Because this was some of the answers that was going to, oh, whatever they wanted. Whatever they wanted been fine. You could have had a both or whatever they identified at. And I, about, about that third answer, I was getting, I, was, I said, I've had enough. I said, hey, I, I know the answer to it. You said, what? I said, whatever God made them to be, is what you're going to go get. It's either going to be a male that goes in and checks them out or a female that goes in and checks them out. And of course, this, this, is what, this is what blew my mind. About half of these individuals were against me. And I stood my ground. I said, in the beginning, God hath made them male and female. In the beginning, he had, and I, I started quoting Scripture. And I ain't preached to them all year long like that. So I was upset with them. But you want to know what I was more upset about? That too. No, no actually, the instructor took my side. He backed me up. He said, I'm with the preacher. That's literally what he said. But, but what upset me was I, was I had about two or three individuals sitting over there, and they were looking at me, and they were grinning, and they were nodding along with me, and they agreed with everything they said. I know that because they are very... Um, they're Trump supporters, and they make it known. We'll just put it that way. And, and, and so they, 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 like, they like America, and they like what America stands for is what I'm trying to say. And, and they're grinning at me, but believe it or not, that made me more upset. Why? Because I stood alone. Yeah. Can I say today that even if your voice quivers and shakes and you stutter, stand. Amen. Even if you've never done it before, stand. You're going to have those that will oppose you, that will argue, but truth is truth, and you stand on that. And you're going to have those that will be smiling and nodding in your corner. But they won't stand with you. They'll take a place of neutral contentment. That's right. That's right. They're, they're neutral. They're neither here nor there. They don't want to offend nobody. That's the worst crowd to be in, friend. That's right. I mean, they'll fall for absolutely anything. If I can persuade them, so can somebody else. You've got to stand for something today. I'm thinking, I'm 30 years old. They ain't but between the ages of 20 and 25 behind me. This is the generation right behind me. 
And they either are lost or they're saved and they're quiet about it. David is saved and he's loud about it. He stood on it. He stood on it. Stand your ground even when you want to lay down. Even whenever the enemy, the giant, is charging you, stand your ground. Stand your ground even when it appears no one's in your corner. When your giant faces you, stand on this. Don't look at your giant. Look at the Lord. He'll help you. Let me show you number two. Number two, raise your hands. Raise your hands. We're still at verse 35. He says, um, I caught him by his beard. I smote him. I slew him. Remember, he caught him. He smote him. He slew him. That took both hands. Raising your hands requires you to do something that you're uncomfortable doing in a traditional setting. David had, that's not tradition to rise up and, and, and to slay lions and bears with your hands. That's not tradition. Uh, he, he wasn't raised up doing that. His dad didn't teach him how to do that. But he realized if he was going to defeat what was in front of him, he had to raise his hands. I could stand up here for half an hour or more and give you testimony upon testimony of services that I have been in where either I myself or somebody else has just praised their way through the pain. I mean, they just gave God the glory through the pain. I mean, through everything that they're going through. I remember there was one, one couple that had come down in a church that, that I was in. I was... Uh, Y'all, y'all know uh, I, I do a lot of evangelism and I also do a lot of revivals and I was preaching revival. And I remember they had come down up front and they did what I was talking about earlier. They was down there for 15 minutes during that altar call. And I'm moving around and I'm praying and I'm talking to people about salvation and rededication. The pastor's praying over this couple, young married couple. And we didn't know it. But they got up from that altar and by that time they was crying and you heard that little old woman, woo! And that's all they could do. And they were just spinning in circles in a Baptist church. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what to think of it. We didn't realize that they was on the brink of divorce. I mean, they had been separated. The the, the paperwork had already been drawn up. But right there in an old-fashioned altar, that giant was facing them. They got a hold of God. God got a hold of them. They raised their hands and claimed the victory over that giant in their life. I've seen it, friend. I've seen it. Raising your hands, even when the enemy is trying to devour you, it will be difficult. But that's how you'll defeat him. Why is it important that you raise your hands? Because they just said, well, you've got to make yourself appear bigger than what you are. And I'm five foot two. I ain't a big fella. But when I raise my hands, I look like an average human. I've got a fighting chance. But when I raise my hands, I remind the enemy that I am in submission to Almighty God and I am His and He will fight my battle for me. I ain't scared of what the enemy can do to me. Let me show you lastly. Number three, shout your head off. Look at verse 37. Shout your head off. Verse 37. Look at the very end of it. And the Lord be with thee. The Lord be with thee. If you're saved, you have something to shout about already. You're not going to hell. That's enough for everybody to shout about. I mean, we can go ahead and stop service now and shout the house down. But, but what I'm trying to say is, shouting isn't easy 
when the enemy is declaring war on you. I mean, it's easy to shout when I'm in them old-fashioned camp meetings. And I mean, and we're all in unison in the songs and the preacher gets up there and he starts hacking and a coughing and a <gasps> as he's preaching. I mean, that's good stuff. That's what I was raised on. That's, that's, that still goes on today. But I mean, he's easy into it and we're like, hey man, give God the glory. But what about when the enemy is at your doorstep? I mean, all of hell is banging on your door. They're looking in your window. They're coming to get you. You know it. It's the midnight hour. You're getting paranoid. You're wringing your hands thinking, Oh God, they got me surrounded. Oh Lord, I am trapped right here. What about then? Can you shout then? Can you lift up your hands then? Can you praise the Lord then? It's then. It's then when you can slay your giant. It's whenever you say, I don't care what my mind is trying to do and how it's trying to play tricks on me. And I don't care that the enemy has me trapped and surrounded. I am inside of the hands of Almighty God. And John chapter 10 is still there when it says that we are inside of the hands of the Son and the Father. Amen. He saved us and He sealed us and He secures us and He sustains us. It doesn't matter how big the dark forces of evil are. It doesn't matter what happens in our lives. We can lift up our voice and we can lift up our prayers and we can lift up our hands and know that God will deliver us through that too. Shouting isn't easy. But it said shout your head off. Maybe you have shouted before. But you might need to shout louder than you ever have before. Praising God will give you the victory. Have you caught that common denominator here? That's how you get your victory over your giants. I'm going to give you my conclusion. We'll have the altar call. Today... We have seen the method. Today we have learned the only way to defeat your giant is to stand your ground. It is to raise your hands and it is to shout your head off. Listen, it will take all three. You say, preacher, I don't want to do any of those. And that's entirely your choice. And I'm going to say this as lovingly as I know how. That's your choice you can choose to walk around defeat it and let your giant whoop you. That's your choice. But I've given you the method. The Word of God has given you that prescription. It's theirs for the taking. You say, preacher, okay, maybe I'm fine with just one. Or maybe even two. I can't do all three. Let me tell you something. I applaud you for that. Let me say this. Start with one. Maybe start with just standing your ground. Because when you start to stand your ground and somebody starts mocking your God, all of a sudden that shout's going to want to come out. It might not be very loud, but at least in your heart, something's going to tug and say, that's not right. That's my Jesus. He bled and died for me. That's my God that loves me. That's my God that, that had said that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That they're talking. There's going to be something that stirs inside of you when you stand your ground. You can pick one. It don't matter which one. You say, preacher, I can't stand my ground because the ground that I'm standing on today, it's crumbled. Life circumstances has took it out. It's fractured the ground I stand on. And you say, preacher, I cannot raise my hands because the joy of my salvation has been robbed. You say, preacher, I, I can't shout because the enemy has stolen my voice. He's stolen my shout. Let me tell you, 
That's why I'm so glad. Verse 37, at the very tail end, it says, The Lord be with thee. It's not going to be, listen to me, if you don't catch nothing else, you're going to catch this right here. It's not in your ability that you defeat that giant. It's in the Lord's ability. The Lord will give you the strength to stand. The Lord will give you the strength to raise your hand. The Lord will give you the strength to shout. You've got to ask Him this morning. As Saul said unto David, the Lord be with thee. This altar is open. Y'all know that. You don't have to come down. It's not a show. I sincerely want you to be able to walk out of this place today knowing how to defeat your giant. And I would love it, and even more, the God of heaven would love it if you actually laid down your giant today at His feet and say, Lord, there used to be a time I could lift up my hands. You can go from that song to... If you're in the battle with the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. I mean, you could you you can change your whole perspective. I am burdened for my church. I don't know what you're going through, but every time you come in here, I feel the weight that's on your shoulders. And when you leave today, I want you to walk out satisfied in the Lord. Barbara, if you come. I'm going to pray and give you a chance to respond this morning. Would you respond?